podcast. Uh, this is this is a, a hot take moment from at Drunk Shy Sox fan Steve-O right the here. Rare hot takes. It is that White Sox Dave's starting to carry water for the organization too. Mm. Do you tell why? Why so do you feel this way? The reason, first off, with the Rick Hahn interviews, yeah, with Rick Hahn being his BFF, yeah. Obviously, you know, he's got to start carrying water for the organization. There's no way you can post an interview of Rick Hahn in that position without being, like, I don't know, like, White Sox. What it, well, he's not going to be critical anymore. Yeah, that's what I'm trying, that's that's what I was trying to say. I don't have he's not going to be critical anymore, especially yeah. with the position he has and the abilities that he has to interview him and players and the thing with Polka and all that. So like, yeah. And then, uh, number two, another reason why he's carrying water is because his name is under fire in the Barstool Network. His name is under fire. M- Mr. If the White Sox don't get Harper or Machado, I'm chaining myself oh. to, to oh, yeah. Champions Plaza. Yeah, and then another guy that. from Barstool ended up doing it. Literally no flew, way. flew out from New York and did it himself. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, fight, Fightsburg? Fight, fight, I feats. don't know. Yeah, um, and then um, yeah, I mean you got to think about that too. And I mean you've got and the Blackhawks had their time of success. Yeah, uh, the Bears are about to have their time of success. Right, the Cubs are still kind of in that era of success. Except those for last are, night with those what was that yeah. six errors? Obviously, we're <laughs> we're recency bias. We're gonna take out of this. That no, but never, never. those are the recency biases. The three the. Th- Pump the brakes. <laughs> there, those are the three other teams that are represented on the podcast. Yeah, those are the three other teams that are really represented by Barstool Sports. Barstool Chicago. Barstool Chicago. Pardon yeah. me. Yes, um, and then you got White Sox Dave here, literally with his name, White Sox Dave. Yeah, um, representing are unarguably one of the top five most unsuccessful organizations in Oof. the MLB in the last five years. It hurts, but it's true. It is true. It's very true. Damn. Well, let me put it this way. Mm -hmm. I've got an unpopular opinion. I'm not a big Barstool guy. Yeah, we know that. I'm not either. I've I've actually stopped listening to Redline Radio. Yeah, I I don't think I've caught the last couple episodes. It's just like, they're so, I, I don't know, man. They talk about themselves more than they talk about sports at this point. It's you, fair because they have big personalities. For they sure, they got big personalities, and like that's part of what makes them barstool. But it's like it's why I like Carl the most is because he doesn't have like. Well, he does like yeah. Know. I just he I like Carl the most because he's the most level headed in in my opinion. It's funny you like level headed because uh, <laughs> I'm the level headed one on this podcast. Hey, there's a reason why I like being with you because it's like I don't. I can't have another me walking around. That's too much. Fair. Also, I hate the fact that you have a beer in your hand right now, and I am drunk Shy Sox fan. So well, I am going to join you in that. You and literally just, just reached under the couch, and you grabbed a beer. That's how a professional does it, Tom. Always prepared. Professionals are always prepared. Has a beer under the couch at all times, just in case. What can I say? All right, coming to you live from a shanty Northside apartment. This is the Sons of Honarchy podcast, co-hosted by Hot Take Tommy and Drunk Shy Sox fan. On today's episode, our thoughts on opening day, excitement over Lucas Gilito's resurgence, and an exclusive interview with the Mariners fanatic, Matt Forehand, all presented to you by The Loop Sports and sponsored by 26 Shirts and Seeking. Chicago in is coming out right now. Yeah, hitting doubles is fine. You know? Doubles, doubles, baby. Doubles. I mean, okay. What? One to Castillo aside, mind you, that's amazing that he's got four at bats and four walks. So, whatever, you know. Yeah. Let's just put. Since you don't care about that, apparently, let's put that to the side. The the storyline that matters so far this season: Jose Abreu hitting dingers. And Yohan Moncada has got like a 500 batting average or some crap like that. Yohan Moncada, I'm just going to say it right now because I've already said it a ton of times. Mm-hmm. And if we reach back into the the, the annals of... <laughs> I'm 
annals, bro. Is it annals or annals? <laughs> According to uh, our fact checker here, uh, uh, producing, it is annals of history, not annals of history. You can't keep saying it, bro. So, <laughs> oh, no, say it all in the annals of the Sons of Honarchy history. Oh, yeah. Have you been saying the annals of history to your history class? No, I don't say annals or annals at all because that would oh, require man. laughs. Oh. I wouldn't say anal in front of my students. That's a bad idea. Oh, Especially, man. even though they're middle schoolers, they oh. definitely. Okay. I'm anyway. Sorry. I lost it for a second. So the. <laughs> Let's go to the annals of history, please. I'm so sorry. I'm so I'm with you. Let's go. Let's go there. Where the you were talking about, Johan? Can I take you down the annals of history at yeah. least? <laughs> yes, take me down the annals. Good. I'm gonna take you down the annals of Sons of Honarchy history yes. here. Yes. And in one of our older episodes, mm-hmm. we talked about one of uh oh, this is from the, our first episode. This is from the grab bag segment. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the grab bag segment. And mind you, even though that first episode came out in January, that segment was recorded in, like, October. We talked about who our breakout player of the year was going to be. And I think the names that we drew out were Polka, Yomer, T.A., and Moncada. You said T.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said Moncada. Uh, Yeah. And I just, once again, I'm just going to stick with that because... the things that Yohan Mankata is uh, is doing at the plate right now is oh, yeah. incredible. Uh, he's he's just as patient, yeah. But at the same time, in two strike counts, he's also getting the job done. Yeah. Uh, we saw that, and we're recording this on on Tuesday the second. We saw it yesterday against Cleveland, two strike count, mm-hmm. and he's taking that ball opposite direction. He's taking that ball opposite direction. I thought triple when I saw it off the bat. Off the wall, um, it's. And that is those are the things he needs to do. He doesn't need to pull every single ball, yeah. and he understands that now. Uh, he's go, he's he's gonna get walks. Like he has a way higher walk percentage than any but any prospect that has come up in the White Sox organization in the last ten years. You know who else has a really high walk percentage? Way, pump the brakes on Wellie, but <laughs> hashtag Wellie bandwagon baby. <laughs> so we uh, looking at that too. Like he is an extremely patient hitter at the plate already and his the strategies that he's coming to the plate with and the confidence that he's coming to the plate with is starting to come to fruition and I just yeah. absolutely love it and I'm eating mm. it up. Hell yeah man. And he's hitting the ball hard still, obviously. Which is extremely, extremely important for Well him. he's I don't think he's ever gonna stop doing that. No, I don't think so either. No. Natural It's just what he does. It's his swing, it's his, you know, his approach is whatever. For sure. Alright, unpopular opinion. You were coming at me for this I think that, um, judging off of what we've seen so far, Jimenez, we're not going to see a dinger from him until May. Do you want to put a bet on that? Ah, man. You are... I'm a betting man. Why do we got to put money on everything? Thomas David. I am not... I don't have money just sitting in the back. I know you don't have money sitting anywhere, but remember that it's tax season. Your return is going to be much better than mine. I because did, you are a married man. I did get a text update letting me know that uh, my return has been accepted by the IRS. Excellent. So I think that means I'm not getting audited. I got away with one more year, boys. Let's <laughs> there go. you go. So, um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll put a let's put it this way. Let's put it. Let's put a six pack on it. How you will put another six pack on this? Yeah. So we'll, all right, we'll have like a lot of six packs on something. By the end of the season. <laughs> Six-pack bets. This is becoming a tradition right Dude, here. Wash, he's going to hit a dinger next. Okay, so, but the reason I say this, though. And you say not until May. I say not until May. Wait, let's let's do a shake on this. We're shaking on this. We're okay. shaking. Sam, you are a witness. Can you testify to this very quickly? Testify. Okay. Six-pack on Eloy not hitting a dinger until May. And the reason why I'm saying this, dude, he, what was it, 12 swings and misses on sliders in like two games what are you doing bro well i'll tell you what he's doing he's trying to hit like a home run every pitch he sees the beginning i loved this fire that he had but before i don't know it was on like either snapchat or uh instagram or whatever so he was uh he was getting interviewed and he said my name's eloy menace 
and I'm gonna hit a home run because I'm the and best. The best. <laughs> and I was like, and the hey, best, yes, dude, it's Ian, Ian Clarkin. So I like no longer with the White Sox organization. Yeah, mm, rip. Uh, but I was like on fire in that moment. But then like all I see is what he's doing, and he he's trying to hit that home run every pitch, and it's just like, dude, calm down. Get your single, get your double, whatever you need to get before you don't have to hit a home run every at bat. Like, I don't know. Anyway, so he's swinging like crazy. He's not making contact. And people, like, the pitcher's got his number right now. So he looks green as heck. He's not getting the production everybody thought he was going to get. And I don't know. I'm a little disappointed. And I think, like, because of that, he's just, he's just looking like an amateur right now. And I think he needs to calm he's down. He's definitely going to get that home run before May, though. That's a crazy take, sir. <laughs> I don't know what to say, man. Zero home runs in the month. You of seen April. his at bats? Because I've, I have. I've been watching I have. his at bats. And, and they look I think like somebody, and I'm surprised. Trash. Honestly, I'm surprised it didn't happen against Clevenger, but he looked. Clevenger was, was really Clevenger was on. nailing his spots on Monday. Um, so it's gonna. Welly. It's going to take. It's going to take some starter that's gonna later in the later endings throwing a ninety-four mile an hour fastball on the outside part of the plate where they don't. They didn't scout Eloy correctly, or they're not thinking ahead of time, and they're gonna throw away from him. And what's Eloy gonna do? Is he's gonna power his huge arms and take that thing to right center because that's what Eloy does is the opposite field home runs. So. Yeah, uh, I'll definitely take that bet. I'm looking forward to another six-pack coming my way. Oh, hey, Rodon, you know, not his best start. I think it was a good start, but not his best start, right? Like, we can expect better things from him in the future. Can you agree with that? Not his best start. Okay, well, hold on. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to interrupt you because his ERA right now, you know, one start, obviously. And not his best career start. Under. Let's also remember it's opening day. It's bats are always cold opening day. Three three eight. Three three eight is his ERA right now. So uh, what was that bet? Three four seven. Three four seven. Yeah. Um, we're teetering that line. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He's we're, got better starts to come. We're teetering that line, baby. All right, you know. So I win that bet already. So. <laughs> got a whole season to play. <laughs> Bring your best, huh? We're excited to partner with 26 Shirts again for the month of, well, it's April now, not March. 26 Shirts sells cool t-shirts backed by an even cooler mission, helping people in need. Every two weeks, they offer an exclusive t-shirt for $25, and a portion of the proceeds from each sale goes to help a person or family in need or an organization heavily involved in community outreach. The artists who provide the designs receive a percentage. A life is impacted, and you get a limited edition sports t-shirt that... Will go into the 26 shirts vault, never to be printed again. Portions of the proceeds from the sales to the, of these shirts go to help a person in serious need or financial assistance due to overwhelming medical bills. You can read more about this particular cause on the website. Thank you to 26 shirts for sponsoring the podcast. For the month of April, go to 26shirts.com to order your t-shirt and help a worthy cause. Let's talk opening day. Let's talk opening day, baby. Yeah, we haven't talked since, uh, or we've talked, but we haven't recorded. We came, we saw, we did not conquer (laughs) at all, unlike last year in Kansas City. Ooh, yeah, true, when you put it that way. It was not pretty down there. Um, And you know what? Like... I came out of it and I was, you know, unhappy at the result. But you know what? I was watching baseball. So how can I be too mad? That being said, I look at White Sox Twitter. Holy cow. People were going off on this team. I mean, when you think about it, it's literally the one MLB date in the calendar that everybody can rally behind. Like, World Series, everybody watches, or, like, most people watch, but, like, not everybody can rally behind it because it's not every team participating. But every team participates in opening day 
every baseball fan should be happy on opening day. Win or lose, in my opinion, okay? Win or lose, we still booze. Hey, exactly. That's when I was drinking. Yeah. You were drinking. 108. And- All right, there you go. So, like, why is White Sox Twitter, like, erupting with anger? I mean, you're watching White Sox baseball. Yeah, no, not everybody came through the way they were supposed to come through, but Rodon had a good day. And freaking, what else went well? Yoan had a good day. Abreu had a good day. What are we? What are we mad about? Are you, I mean, like, yes, the result wasn't perfect, but you're watching Major League it's Baseball. Far from perfect. Okay, well, you know what? That's fine. I'm trying to make a point here, though. Come on, like, we're watching MLB baseball. We're watching freaking White Sox. We're watching our boys. You know, like, give them one day, one day to like you know, fail, whatever. But, like, if they're going to lose on one day and I'm still going to be happy, it's going to be opening day. Every other day, if they lose, I'm not going to be happy, right? I but get that. Did, we get Here's the thing. As members of a fan base, mm-hmm. uh, especially members of a fan base where a lot... And this is every fan base. There are a lot of non-level-headed fans, okay? <laughs> and I think the hype of opening day, because there are... Uh, obviously, all these teams are participating and... There's so much allure behind opening day. Mm-hmm. It gets White Sox Nation hyped up. It gets White Sox right. Nation pumped, right? And we're expecting the world out of our team, mm-hmm. right? We have to remember to keep things into perspective, okay? Are and I think that's this? what happened last year, too. Last mm. year, we we knew we were going to have a rough year. Yeah. And we go out and we win opening day handily. Big. Then... All of a sudden, you see White Sox Twitter going off. This is going to be a great team. Everybody's hitting so well. This happened. That happened. Pitching's going to come around. We might have a shot at this thing. What do we see this year? The exact opposite, right? So, Hey, maybe that means the opposite result for the season, which would be awesome. It would be great. 100 wins instead of 100 losses. Okay. Shy Sox Mike. (laughs) All right. But, okay. What I was trying to say, though, is... We have Twitter over here mm-hmm. going bonkers. I've got, count them, one, two, three, four. You've already counted them. How many? Five, six. We had 13 tweets that I like specifically looked at and said, wow, this guy is like way too negative. We've got people saying, ah, shit, rebuild over. We've got Eloy sucks. We've got, why is Rodon still in there? It's And that tweet came out like, the second after the Yomer error. So, like, how is that on Rodon? If that error doesn't happen, he's out of the inning with two earned runs on the day and six innings pitched. Still had two earned runs when you look at the final statistics. So there you go. I mean, like, what are you? why are you mad? Why are you mad? Anyway, so, and like, uh, fire Ricky. Hashtag fire Ricky. Ricky's boys don't hit. Nice jog to the ball by Eloy right there. We lose Haiku. We are really bad. Runners abandoned. Stranded. Season will be shit. I, that was a great tweet, actually. I like that one. But, I I mean, come on, guys. Like, it's opening day. This is a day for celebration. Yeah, your team didn't do so hot. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's baseball season, right? Yeah. Like, that's my takeaway. So, try and stay on the positives. Like... It, it's hard to stay on the positives, though, for sure. After such a one, shitty offseason. It's a one and three start. After a one and three start, what? right? Absolutely, right? Uh, okay. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm right. not even going right. to say try to stay positive. Yeah. Is try to keep things in perspective, okay? Mm. This is what happens when Snaps you... For that. And I'm, I'm just going to go off for a second here. This is what happens when you don't make a big splash in free agency to improve your team. This is what happens when you are a rebuilding team. This is what happens when... Here's my take. You have a manager that really is not fit to lead a major league ball club. Yeah, we'll talk about this that. This is what second. happens when the front office feeds you bull crap and the fan base is fed up with it. Yep. When you lose opening day as well, especially to a team that finished worse than you last year, you're yeah. going to have fans firing off. Yeah. It's it's the problem is it's very very hard for a lot of these group the these these people on White Sox Twitter to keep things in a perspective. So, I hear you, all right? But, I don't, like, we didn't land the big fish in 
in you the... didn't land any fish. Van Nova. The boo-boo pitcher. <laughs> I mean, like, here's here's my deal. Oh, trademark to Adam Wessendorf, by the way. <laughs> we didn't not make moves this offseason. The ball club is, like, you cannot argue this. The ball club is better this season, at the start of this season, than at the end of last season. You can't argue that. I can't argue that, but at the so same... How, so how is it... A, sh- a crappy. How is it like that bad of an offseason when you the team is legitimately such, better? You had such a deep free agency, and you went out and you got John Jay, Yonder Alonso, Alec. You traded for traded Alex Colomay. You traded for and Alonso you got too. Kelvin Herrera. Wait, did they, yeah we traded for Alonso? Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, yeah because Al- bye bye to Alex Call. Um, yeah, so that that's my problem is. The, the front office, obviously, I'm, I'm going to go on this. T- I don't need to go on this tirade. I don't need to go on this tirade because the front office obviously did not set up this team to be successful. Think about the injuries that Cleveland has. This season. Think about the, this season. The, yeah, correct. Think about the injuries that Cleveland has to start the year. Think about how the Twins are still in a developmental mode. Right. Think about how bad the Tigers are. Think about how... Uh, honestly, I think the Tigers are going to be the worst team in the division. Yeah, at this um, point, yeah. And think about how the Royals still are not... They're, they're still not a good ball club. I'm no. going to say it. Um, despite re-signing Whit Merrifield, despite getting Billy Hamilton, all that, right? The White Sox had a time to capitalize in the offseason. The, the, all of this pent-up anger and frustration that came out opening day that I think you're seeing yeah. is a result of what happened this offseason. Because I'm, you're now at the start of the season. Right. And obviously there's not a winning product on the team. I'm just saying or on that, the field, that was like... We talk about opening season, over opening day overreactions. This Twitter reaction that I saw, that was an overreaction. Holy cow. Because it was like... it was. Nonstop. I was going through, scrolling through my feed. Nonstop negative everything. It like where was the like happy opening day? You know, none of that was out there. Like, I don't know. Maybe I just wanted to have, be in a good mood on opening day. Maybe that's all I wanted. But is it too much to ask? White Sox Twitter. Is it too much to ask? It might be. It might be. You're right. It might be. You're right. But anyway, that was just my take. I, I just had to get that off my chest. Man, was that negative out there on Twitter that day. And like, whatever. We lost. We're 1-3 in three now. That, ugh. Speaking of being 1-3, in three, how about your laundry list of bullpen guys? <laughs> laundry list of guys. talking a lot about the downs right Tom exclusively yeah really a lot about <laughs> about the downs so far of this offseason whether that's losing opening day whether that's White Sox Twitter reactions to opening day uh, whether that's uh, blowing the lead in Cleveland yeah. uh, whether that's he was bat not really showing doing up too much thus far um, we have brought up uh, some, or yeah, our bullpen not throwing strikes, especially. Um, we have t- brought up some bright spots, like uh, when you say bullpen, do you mean our laundry list of guys? Our laundry list <laughs> of relievers that Tommy has referenced on occasion. Uh, we have brought up some bright spots. Some bright spots, Yohan Moncada, yes. uh, being one of them for sure. Abreu's um, dingers. Abreu, you know, really with powering through certain situations uh, with his bat. Um, but one thing that really was impressive to mm-hmm. me and just really opened my eyes was Lucas Giolito's start on Sunday against Kansas City. Dude came out ready to go. Absolutely. So um, outside of that first walk, and outside, yeah, that was that was sketch as heck. <laughs> so, yep, he he walks Merrifield mm-hmm. on four straight, an awful start to the game, <laughs> which 
White Sox Twitter, once again, in typical fashion, yeah. erupted. Goes um, off. I, I uh, took uh, a little screenshot and sent it to you of uh, oh. a certain uh, colleague of can ours. We, can we say that? Colleague of ours that uh, <laughs> decided that same old Lucas Giolito was back. But yeah. same old Lucas Giolito was not back. No. By retiring... 19 straight. Yeah, that, that, I love that stat. 19 straight. Yes. Incredible, right? No mm. hitter, right? Um, obviously, once people <laughs> like you started tweeting about it, it was a little yeah, shit. Well, I got this update on my phone, like, because I was at work, right? And then I got this update on my phone, Lucas Giolito, no hitter through six or something like that. And I was like, are Excuse me? Like, yep. <laughs> say what? Exactly. <laughs> so I'm looking at the box score, and I'm like, what the heck is happening? Why can't they get a hit off of this guy? He's no, like, stud, but he, he had stud stuff. He he really showed, in, in my opinion, his best stuff thus far in a White Sox uniform. Which is bold, and I love it. Sunday. Uh, we've seen some decent Giolito outings yeah. last year. Um, he led the team in wins. Uh, <laughs> All that being said, we did see some some decent outings out of him last year. But even looking back at the stats, um, I think this is this is his best start. Um, when we were talking about Giolito in regards to the three returning starting pitchers, right. uh, we had a, our first one at the bar episode. Yeah, uh, when we talked about the the starting pitchers, uh, I talked about how. Giolito had key points that he needed to improve on in order to improve, in order to reach success, right? Um, one of those, obviously, was an emphasis on throwing strikes, and that's something that everybody brought up, right? The whip was way too high. Yeah. Don Cooper said something along the lines of, yeah, Giolito, you know, as his first full year of pitching, he's going to give up hits, and that happens. Hits are given up. The walk ratio was unacceptable to him. And that's something that they worked on, and obviously something that he showed a lot more control. Um, hey, of Don his comes through again. Uh, you know what? Sure. Um, <laughs> I think one thing that d- didn't get talked about a lot in the offseason, but Steve Stone, even though I've been ripping on him a lot lately. You always rip on that guy. What do you mean lately? No, I'm usually a big <laughs> Steve Stone fan, and I swear since last season, beginning of this year, he has just been off his rocker. <laughs> um, in regards to stuff. Um, now, Steve Stone uh, did bring up how Giolito is changing his windup, and I love that. Mm. Um, I should retweet at some point a picture of how he's changed his windup to a more natural, uh, not you know putting the ball way back behind him, but just a normal pitcher motion. Yeah, just over like. his head. And he talks about it, actually, too. There's an interview of him doing something for the trip about how he talked about um, how he feels more natural and more comfortable in that motion. Um, you talked to, we were talking earlier about his fastball too. Yes. And I think that, Dude. I think because of this motion too, it's had a more positive effect on that. Tommy, you want to elaborate? Yo, it tops out at 95-1 in his first start. That's awesome. I mean, with his worked out changeup, that's, uh, you know, it came out, his changeup came out to 83 miles an hour. That's a 12 mile an hour difference between fastball and change that's gonna get some swings and misses like if if that trend keeps up throughout the season he's gonna fake some guys out yeah and it, and for me it's not even about the mph in regard the speed the velocity of that oh fastball my god change hold on are you gonna come at me with spin rate right now no i'm not even talking about oh spin rate god. i'm not gonna hit you with spin rate i'm gonna hit you with advanced stats i'm gonna hit you with, with why um the movement though I think okay. the, the move the movement of his changeup mm. is is the key difference. Like he is oh like he hasn't always had a good changeup, and if he is continuing to develop this changeup, and yeah. if his changeup is as good um, as it was against Kansas City, he's gonna be he's gonna have a solid year. Um, now he used his changeup on about a little over twenty percent of his pitches, mm-hmm. uh, which is a decent amount. It's a solid number. Funny thing about that 20% of those pitches is of those of those pitches he used the changeup, he got 20 he got a 20% whiff rate on the changeup, which is huge. Which is baller. It is huge. Like uh, of those 20 changeups, four of them were whiffs. 
Like he literally got four guys to swing and miss on on those pitches. And that's not saying that movement. sixteen of them are getting hit. It's just saying no. And to break <laughs> yeah. break, break that down too, like it's twenty percent whiff on that changeup, twenty percent foul ball, forty five percent of them are strikes, and twenty percent of them are balls. Okay, five uh, percent yeah. line drive ratio, ten percent ground ball ratio. So. It's good. It's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, One out of every five change-ups he's throwing, people can't touch it. In addition to that, one thing that I did bring up um, in that podcast, too, that we were talking about the first one at the bar, is I talked about how he needs to throw more sliders and change-ups when he is up in the count, and he did exactly that. He wasn't serving up fastballs on one-two counts. Mm-hmm. He wasn't throwing fastball even 1-1, one, one, right? Mm-hmm. He's mixing in the changeups, He's mixing yep. in the slider. He only threw 11 sliders, but of those 11 sliders, four of them whiffs, okay? In so he's addition, got it. In addition to that, no ground balls, no line drives, no foul ball, or no fly balls. He's literally getting guys to either look at a ball, yep, take a strike, or swing and miss on that slider. Slider was on point. I absolutely loved it. Um, if you look at his whiffs, we talked about this earlier. Yeah. 15 whiffs on his 99 pitches, okay? Um, that's a little over 15% whiff percentage compared to 9% last year. It's huge. Yeah. If you want to know the difference between 9% whiffs and 15% whiffs from top prospect pitchers, look at somebody like Chris Sale in his in this last year. His uh, first full year, or not, pardon me. <laughs> Look at Chris Sale in the full year that he pitched last year in 2018, right? Yeah. His whiffs of all of his pitches, and he's a strikeout pitcher. He gets no doubt. He gets hitters to chase after stuff, to swing and to miss. Highest K9 no in history, right? No matter how good you are, right? Under 15% whiffs. Now, I'm wow. not saying that wow. Lucas Giolito <laughs> was facing Kansas City. It's the opening weekend, and he's not he's not Cy Young material. The hottest take he of the year. Lucas Giolito is greater nope. than Chris Sale. Nope, nope, nope. At Drunk Shy Sox fans there. said it first, baby. Not going there because there's, there's, less, there's usually a lot less contact, especially solid contact, fly ball line drive contact on Sale's pitches compared to Giolito's pitches. Even in the last outing. Dude, I'm just saying. However, that being said, <laughs> if Giolito can get his whiff count up, that's going to be extremely, extremely crucial to his success, if you ask me as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, so now I'm going to take it from all these advanced stats. To Not what, even advanced stats. Those are advanced stats. Whiff rate? Are you kidding me? Hey, Nobody, it's just an important thing to break down in yeah. regards to is a pitcher able to get a hitter to swing and miss? Are they doing their job without needing their defense to back them up or True. luck to come into consideration? All right. So right? we're going from that. I'm still going to call it an advanced stat. We're going from that advanced stat to the biggest meatball stat in the world. Wins, baby. So I'm <laughs> just take swigs of beer. <laughs> so I, you know, we put a Twitter poll out there. We tried to find out what the read of the room was. Giolito. Now, remind in, me, this poll was before the game started. Before the game started, yes. Before the game started. Closed, I think, like, middle of the game. I don't know. But we put a poll out there. Hey, Giolito led the team in wins last year. Will he do it again? Yes, and he'll earn it. Yes, but it'll be a fluke just like last year. Uh, or, no, never again. Split down the middle, 33-33-33. That's not down the middle. That's, I don't know. Third. Well, it's split three ways. Split three ways, exactly. 33-33-33 on the votes on that. So that means that, as I expected almost, nobody in White Sox Nation knows what to think of this guy. We have, I mean, what do you, what do you, how, you, how do you place him? Like, yes, he led the team in wins last year. No, he was not the best pitcher on the team last uh, year. Probably arguably the worst pitcher if you look at the season. Yeah, yeah, honestly. But, I mean, hey, in my opinion... Actually, you, it's not even arguable. Yo, go ahead. Argue, argue with me all you want. If you lead the team in wins, that means that you were doing a decent job of putting your team in the position to win a game. Doesn't matter uh, if you agree or not. Uh, Whatever, man. Whatever. 
But hey, if you if you look at what we asked White Sox Nation, yeah, we didn't get the whole world to come out and answer this poll. But hey, they they're all split. Is he gonna be able to duplicate any kind of success or find success in in the first place? Nobody knows what to think of him. And if he does go above and beyond what we expect him to do this year, hey, that's one that's one person that's actually going past the ceiling that we have set for them, which we'll need a couple of guys to do that if we're going to be anything this year or next year. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember when we got Giolito, the ceiling on him was much higher oh, than yeah. it is at the moment. Correct? Yeah, that's, that's true. Much, that's much true. higher. Um, I went into this year, though, obviously, when we played... Um, over under and that the first one at the bar yeah we talked about how is he going to be the number five starter next year next year um that's uh i mean it's an interesting take right is he hey if he if he keeps this stuff up he might be number one starter well not if your boy rodan comes through right <laughs> not if my boy rodan comes through and if kopek has anything to say about it absolutely so i mean it's good it's never a pro in my opinion it's it's a good problem to have when you have guys that at the beginning of the year saying yeah they might be a number four number five starter in this future in the future team and they come out and they pitch like that even if it is against kansas city opening weekend it's exciting stuff, and I'm even looking at, at the, the the pitch outcomes. So this you're calling this advanced <laughs> statistics, but it's pitch Man. outcomes, right? That's what I broke down for you. Does he get a W or does he not get a W? That's what matters, baby. Thank you for the meatball statistic. I'll take time. <laughs> I really appreciate it. So that being said, Lucas Giolito is doing exactly what I said he needed to do in order to succeed this year, and I absolutely love it, and I hope he continues. Hey, do you think he listened to the podcast? Hey, sounds ponarchy, baby. <laughs> SeatGeek is a ticket search engine that never loses sight of a fan experience. Simply go to their website, type in the name of a team, and choose the date <laughs> the date you're looking to attend. SeatGeek will present you with a graphics chart of the stadium where you can <laughs> then choose... <laughs> Then choose your seats and tickets based on a score system that determines the best value. If you've never used, if you've never used SeatGeek before, we've partnered with them to give you a great deal. Apply the coupon code <laughs> the Loop Sports at checkout to take twenty dollars off your first purchase with uh, with SeatGeek. A fifty dollar night at uh, for two at the ballpark becomes thirty, uh, or twenty three dollar trip by yourself turns into just three dollars with the coupon code the Loop Sports. You have no excuse not to go and root for your favorite team. Just apply the code the Loop Sports at checkout and have a great time on us. Thank you to SeatGeek for partnering with us here at the Loop Sports. Thank you. White Sox Nation, we are really excited to bring you into our second interview of the podcast. We're really excited to bring in today our uh, good buddy from North Park University, uh, Matt Forehand, from all the way on the West Coast. This is the only... The only Mariners fan the in only North Mar Park? Only, maybe, may, I think there may have been a couple, of, a little bit between, but the, you know, this is the, definitely the deepest Mariners fan I know. <laughs> yeah, how did you feel about the Mariners' presence at uh, North Park Campus, Matt? Um, you know, it wasn't up to my standards, but I can understand given the geography uh, <laughs> what it might have been lacking. So. <laughs> well, once again, thanks for joining us, Matt. Now we're going to hop into what we tried doing before we had yeah. our recording issues. Yeah, we so <laughs> give, us, no uh, give us that good old-fashioned 30, 45-minute, what we call elevator speech. Yes, 30, 45 minutes. Or for 30, 45 minutes second, because we don't have 35, <laughs> 45 minutes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I grew up in a, uh, a small town in western Washington and had some uh, – 
I had some, you know, covenant connections, which brought me out to North Park for four years. Uh, I got a accounting degree from there, and I'm living the, you know, corporate finance life out here in Seattle, and you know, suffering through probably what's going to be another Mariners losing season. So you guys start off hot, though. Come on. Go ahead. Well, hey, it sounds like you guys are off to a decent start, though. At least a little bit better than us here, uh, our, our South Siders here in Chicago. Yeah, we. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to explain what's going on, but I'm just riding it for as long as I can, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, freaking, what is that, Tim Beckham with, like, didn't he have, like, three? Two, two homers in the first game of the year, Yeah, right? yeah, two dingers there, and then a couple more since then, right? Yeah, so, the Tim Beckham <laughs> project, so, really what he's supposed to, so we just signed him as a free agent. He's kind of supposed to be a, a placeholder for J.P. Crawford, who was one of like the prospects we got back from uh, when we shipped Gene Segura over to the Phillies, and yeah, he's okay. just raking right now, and there's not a whole lot of explanation to it, but we're here for it, so. Hey, sounds like a good old-fashioned Balka story. Yeah, we know all about placeholders with our, with our lovely our lovely Chicago White Sox, so. Yeah, our repo, But he's, he's, yeah. he's off to a hot start now. One thing that we did uh, on our last podcast is we talked about our AL Central foes and like who we fear the most. Now, now is Beckham supposed to be the guy that we're supposed to fear the most, or is there another guy that's on your radar that like you know could be hurting the AL West, could be hurting opponents for the years to come? I mean, if we're talking about this week, then yeah, it's like Tim Beckham. He's hitting somewhere near like 500, 400 something. Um, he's really hot right now, but I would say. Uh, on our roster, a guy, either Mitch Haniger or uh, Domingo Santana. Domingo Santana is the guy we got um, over from the Braves. I think we traded, we shipped Ben Gamble over there. And kind of similar Mitch Haniger story, kind of a late bloomer, but, um, you know, he uses the whole field and he's, he's looked pretty good in the first uh, first week. And we get, there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of, guys in the farm system that we got from some of those pieces that we moved last year but yeah i would say domingo santana and mitch hanniger are they look to be sustainably uh pretty good players into the next few years so okay so say that name i've heard hanniger before but say that name migo santana domingo santana domingo (laughs) yeah that is off my radar domingo so far off my radar when we got him last year i really hadn't heard of him either so he actually had some playing time over in um, Milwaukee, and then uh, when they they pulled in a couple of those pieces and Yelich, he basically just lost playing time. And so he's actually like a pretty decent player. You know, he's not going to hit like he's not going to hit for an amazing average, but he's you know around the two seventy two eighty mark. And he's uh, I mean he already has a couple home runs this year, and I mean his stats weren't terrible from last year. So yeah, he's definitely a guy that's you know could be moving onto the radar, but we'll see how. Yeah, the few next few weeks, months play out, but uh, yeah. it looks pretty promising. So, yeah. Well, I always rant on this podcast about how average is an overrated stat in baseball. Anyway, when it comes to batting average, so the only thing Steve understands is is advanced stats, and the only thing I don't understand <laughs> is advanced stats. So, <laughs> fair. But that, you know, it's the perfect balance. So, <laughs> all that being said, I know Tom had a question about uh, about one prized. Uh, person and yes. one legend in the Mariners organization. Dude. So. Okay, so two things. Like, first off, the Japan series. How did you feel about that in general? So, I was on I was on an audit in um Louisiana. So, those games were at about 4 a.m. So, I tried to watch as much as I could. Um oh, I love kind of weird how they stick that right in the middle of spring training and so, you know, especially with a rebuilding team and you know the whole like Ichiro farewell tour. It's hard to know if like yeah. what is this kind of another spring training game or is this gonna look um look like kind of the team we're gonna have this year. But I mean, yeah, the offense showed up day one against the A's, who I think are gonna be a pretty pretty good ball club coming up this year. Um the pitching as consistent as it's been throughout uh the first game with the Angels and the, the series with the Red Sox, the <laughs> pitching is very suspect and it's gonna be very up and down, so um, but yeah, the offense has been has blown me away so far, which I don't think I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, a, a six and one ball club, I you really can't argue with yeah. that, right? Can't be mad, right? Yeah, I, I there's been some comparisons to like early you know '90s Mariners clubs, 
probably like before the kind of Griffey A Rod group kind of hit their prime, um, where the team could just score a hundred runs a game, but the pitching gave up just about as much. So yeah, the 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 bullpen is very suspect, but it's kind of be, to be expected when we shipped off, you know, some of those pieces and and James Taxton now the starting rotation. So yeah, it's been yeah. been interesting to say the least. It's definitely got to hurt losing Paxson for sure. But, you know, um, I love that you brought up the starting pitching because that's something I was going to ask about. You know, obviously the M's are coming in against our White Sox uh, Thursday, yeah. Saturday, and Sunday. I'm definitely going to the game on Sunday. I might be going Saturday as well. Uh, from what we're looking at pitching matchups, it looks like Kikuchi against Lopez on Thursday, Leak against probably Giolito, even though yeah. it's still to, de- to be determined for some reason on Saturday. And then Sunday would look like uh, LeBlanc against uh, I- uh, Ivan Nova, yeah. who I call the boo-boo pitcher because he's just straight up boo-boo. <laughs> even though he went seven innings like with one, un- one earned run, he still thinks he's garbage. He's still the boo-boo pitcher, in my opinion. Whatever, All that Steve. being said, Whatever, what, do you, what, do, what do you think about those pitching matchups? Like who, 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 does, the, who does the edge go to in, in each of those matchups? So Kikuchi, Lopez... Uh, Leak versus uh, Giolito, who had a really good start against the Royals, and then uh, Ivan Nova against Wade LeBlanc. Uh, well, what I can tell you is I, I feel really good about uh, Kikuchi. He's looked, um, he's looked pretty good in his first two starts. It's, uh, the jury's kind of still out on what his ceiling looks like in the majors after coming over from Japan, but um, he also he almost has this kind of like Kershaw-like kind of funky rotation um, he hasn't gotten super deep in games so far, but um, he has really good stuff, a really good slider, really good fastball. Um, so I like him in that matchup. Leak and Leak and LeBlanc, I can't say the same. Those are guys that are kind of hovering in the, the low 90s and just got to change change speeds and, um, you know, uh, paint the sides of the plate. And uh, Wade LeBlanc is pretty much like a, a Jamie Moore-esque player. Like he probably won't even hit 90 and he's just got to be hitting all the corners. I, I love the old Mariners comparison that you just made there to Jamie Moyer. That that's funny right there. The way back. It's uh it's funny too. If you look at the MLB uh, com description of Wade LeBlanc, it's 34 year old soft tossing lefty. Um, <laughs> this guy will not blow you away. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. So I mean, Kikuchi I feel really good about, but with Leak and LeBlanc, I mean, they can have their days, but I'm not expecting much out of them. And, you know, they they don't have that, you know, 96, 97-plus mile-an-hour fastball that they can just cheat with. So, uh, yeah, those still feeling great about Kikuchi, but those guys, it's just a toss-up of if they're on that day or not. Yeah, that totally makes sense. All righty, well – uh steve alluded to it you alluded to it and i mean like we're talking to a mariners fan at the beginning of 2019 here how do you feel about the ichiro situation and how he got sent off and like um you know how bad he was at batting when he left the but how do you feel about his legacy at this point and all that well so there's a lot of speculation when so Ichiro, he probably played about a month for us last year and then moved into this kind of, you know, quote-unquote advisor role, which basically meant he sat in the clubhouse for the whole game and ran out at the end. But um, he he kind of came back, and everyone's thinking, like, this guy doesn't really have a spot on the team with with the whole, you know, kind of reimagining, re, rebuilding um, move. And so I think the unique thing with Japan is that you're able to carry a 28-man roster over there, and so that kind of gave them gave the Mariners opportunity to bring him over there. And so I think it was a really, um, even though you know he went what like over over five, over six, I think it was still a really special send off for him to be able to do that with the Mariners, the team he came up with, and to just do it over in Japan. And um, I know there's a lot of contrast from his first stint and second stint with the Mariners. I know even though he was a you know, all-star almost every year, you know, back 10, 15 years ago, there's a lot of criticism, you know, that he wasn't a great situational hitter and 
you know, he just slap balls into left field all day. And so, you know, great player, but maybe not the best thing that the franchise needed. And when he came back in his second stint, you know, he took kind of a leadership role over a lot of the younger players and, you know, a lot of a lot of the new players on the team really looked up to him. So I think it was just even though, you know, the offense or the you know, the the perfect storyline wasn't there. I think it was a special send off, but um it was the right thing to do to to just give the opportunity for this, you know, team to develop and for younger guys to get time to play. So Yeah, I mean like D Gordon obviously is in love with the dude, so that's a good thing that he was around for that at least, right? Yeah, I mean, and D Gordon, I I can't remember the exact quote, but he he drew a lot of inspiration, saying like, "Oh man, like a skinny guy like that, I I can probably make it." And so that that really inspired D Gordon, and you know, it really just emphasizing that return, like he really had an impact on a lot of these players, and he will continue, I believe, to have a role somewhere with the Mariners. Obviously not on the field, but um, yeah, it was just cool to see that over in Japan. Even just thinking about the Mariners organization and the role that Ichiro played in the time that he was there, I mean, I mean, he's 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 a generational talent, and I know that he's he's not what a lot of teams look for in a player now because he's not bringing that power to the table. He's not, yeah. you know, you brought up situational hitting as well too when we look at those kinds of statistics. But all in all, I mean, the stats don't lie. He was an incredible player and. Definitely, in my opinion, he's got to be pretty close or arguably a first battle Hall of Famer. All that being said, Matt, what are what are your predictions on the Mariners this year? Uh, what do you think their ceiling is? You know, so that's a really good question because I think any expectations that I had, I'm kind of you know second guessing them, even though it's just a weekend. I I kind of thought their ceiling was going to be you know maybe probably like 500 just because the the pitching is just not there you know any any piece that we might have had um we you know shipped away for whatever we could get for them and um i i think it they're they're not going to be the worst team in the league because they took on contracts like Encarnacion uh and Jade Bruce and like they have some guys some veteran presence there and they're not i don't know want to say like the Orioles where you know you look at it and like it's like a, a triple A lineup. So um, I would say their ceiling's probably uh, probably somewhere around a 500 team. Most likely they're going to finish below that because they'll probably, if, if they have value in these guys, you know, around the, the trade deadline, they're going to probably ship those guys away for what they can get. So um, the, the focus is kind of 2021, 20, 2022. So um, we'll just have to see. But yeah, after this, six and one start I think that ties the best start in history it's 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 hard not to get emotionally invested and to to ponder what's going to happen so no for sure and then we've got the opposite on the White Sox spectrum though with our our one and three start and blowing a lead yesterday against Cleveland with everybody up in uprise trying to say we should fire Ricky Renteria so hey it's good to see you know a, a team that that you know is Somewhere in the middle of, of rebuild mode, yeah. um, you know, having some really early success, you know, and I'm definitely, you know, the Mariners are not a team I'm rooting against. So I'm hoping you guys do well, except for uh, when we're facing off against you guys. That's for sure. Yeah, of course. So uh, one thing that uh, I didn't know is that you guys picked up a couple guys in the offseason. How do you feel about the fact that you have these Encarnacion, Jay Bruce's uh, taking up time uh, for potentially, you know, young guys coming up and taking that time instead? Yeah, so if you talk to probably a lot of, you know, analysts, beat writers that cover the Mariners, they'd probably say that they would not expect Edwin Encarnacion to still be on the team opening day. I think Jerry DePoto, GM, was trying to flip him. Um, they're basically – so the story behind Jay Bruce, um, he came over in that Edwin Diaz Cano trade with the Mets, and Encarnacion came over when we um, – I think we got Carlos Santana from the Phillies in the Segura trade, and we kind of flipped him over there. And so they're basically salary dumps. And so, you know, if we can offload them while not eating up their entire contract, that's what we'll look to do. And so, um, yeah, you'd like to um, give your young guys um, the, all the opportunity, but at the same time, the Mariners, prior to all these trades, had 
a bottom five farm system, and so there's not a whole lot of guys that are, you know, major league ready that necessarily would be in those spots. So I think the veteran presence is good for those other guys who are uh, younger on the roster. Um, but certainly if they have decent years, I don't expect them to be here in a couple months. So kind of two ways to look at it. It's a really, really good take, I think. I mean, I just, I knew we were calling Matt Forehand the accounting major. I didn't know we were calling Matt Forehand the GM over here. That's right. Like, dang. (laughs) I love it. So, hey, Matt, first and foremost, once again, thanks for joining us. means a lot to us that you're taking time out of your busy schedule, uh, out of, you know, grad school, out of work, uh, you know, to be with us, to talk with us over the phone. Um, a quick thing that I want to do. I just want to ask you three quick hit questions. Um, these are all non-baseball related. They're all North Park related. So I'm in the process of moving out of the neighborhood finally, but I want to ask you three North Park related questions. Are you ready? All right. All right. So first off, your favorite neighborhood restaurant. Oh, man. Uh, I'd have to go with... Uh... What was the Swedish place right across the street? Trey Kroner. Yeah, good spot. I'm a big fan of breakfast food, so that's right. an easy one for me. Favorite place to hang out on campus? Oh, gosh. Um, or to get away on campus, I should say, maybe, yeah, right? True. Get away. Oh, man. Man, I hopped, I hopped around so many different dorms and apartments when I was there. Uh, definitely not ARA because... <laughs> I don't know, maybe Berg. I think it is the, is the first uh, first dorm I was in, and so it's, I think it's pretty social compared to the other areas on campus. So I'd, I'd go with Berg. That, that's yeah. fair. Hey, first dorm, first love. That's it's all, right. It's all in there, man. It, except except for when when there are noises on the other end of the wall, right, Matt? Oh God. Okay. And I know we know exactly who we're calling out here, and he's a listener of this podcast. So, <laughs> uh, last one. <laughs> oh, in, in the <laughs> so last question. Favorite professor you had at North Park? Oh man, that's an easy one. That's that's Ann Hicks, the inspiration for for pursuing accounting, and I think she's actually she got promoted to dean of the school of business, so she knows Excellent. her stuff. Excellent. Well, hey, congrats to Ann Hicks. Hey, she deserves it. She's such a great lady. <laughs> She's a super nice lady. All right. All that being said, Matt, thank you once again for joining us. Really appreciate it. And, uh, hey, let's stay in touch soon, all right? Yeah, thanks for having me. I don't think you're the right-handed Mark Burley. I'm sorry. That I, was me, except no defense behind me. That's what it was. Man, talk about no defense behind you. Oh All of gosh. Chicago baseball right now. Do not get me started <laughs> on that. Well, this has been the Sons of Honarchy podcast. Any last thoughts, Tom? Oh, any last thoughts. Okay. Um, any fat last thoughts as we wrap up this episode? Hey, let's Let's be positive, White Sox Nation. This is baseball season, baby. We've been looking forward to it all offseason. So let's stay positive. We got one more game against Cleveland. We got the M's coming to town. We're about to knock them right off their high horse. Take that, Matt Forehand. And, uh, yeah, then, I mean, yeah, that's my thoughts. Let's go. All right. So Tom's word is positive for the day. Yes, please. With a one and three start and the way we put it, the way we coughed up a lead in Cleveland yesterday, my word is not positive, it is perspective. White Sox Nation, you guys need to continue to keep things in perspective. You had the Kopech injury, Eloy just finally got called up. It's obviously going to be different hitting in AAA compared to the major leagues, okay? Period, end of discussion. Say what? A lot more talent. There's even, honestly a lot more talent in some organizations in AA than in AAA. Um, so that's something that needs to be taken in consideration, White Sox, or put into perspective, White Sox Nation. Uh, in addition to that, we've got we're still trying to figure out our pitching rotation. Who's to stay? Who's not to stay? 
keeping things in perspective. We are going to figure these things out over the next year. All that being said, because we're keeping things in perspective, Tom? Rebuild or bust. In Han we trust. Have a good evening.